Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, August 18th, 2022. Today on the Ether, the Bytes Digital Group, Crypto News Happy Hour with Orbital Command. Let's take a listen. Howdy, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Excited to get into these topics of discussion. Royal Pirate, it's great to see you. Thank you for joining us as well. Love to have you come up on stage. What's up, everybody? How's your day going? Just another Thursday. How are you, Edwin? How's everything going over the, over in the Orbital Command world? We're doing good, man. We're excited for everything that's happening in the, the ecosystem. I, I think little by little, you know, we're just uh, seeing the the Terra community just come together again. And, uh, you know, uh, T- TFM uh, has been a project that I've been just looking more into uh, uh, since... Uh, uh, we have Rebel, uh, one of our team members. Uh, he started working with them, helping out with their community as well. So, um, yeah, I think in general, uh, Terra for me has been more exciting this last few uh, few days. Sorry, my cat was just scratching one of my uh, recording equipment <laughs> cases, so I had to smack him away. Oof, cats. <laughs> All good. Uh, thank, what's up, Royal? How are you doing? Doing well. It's been it's been a minute. I've uh, been ch- charming when I can on Fridays, but they've been getting a little busier with work, which is, I guess, a good thing, right? Um, <clears throat> but I've right, been been diving deep into Kuji, um, Kujiria, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, I do terrible. I always have these names in the back of my head just from reading them on Twitter all the time. And I develop my own pronunciation, and then someone pronounces it right, and I'm just c- totally caught off guard. It's it's kind of funny. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I've been diving into the cosmos ecosystem, uh, and interesting. Interested to hear about people's thoughts on the interview. I uh, you know I have my own opinions, and I hope he follows up with Kobe's interview, which I think some of us all tweeted about. But uh, yeah, definitely seemed a little bit staged, and want to hear other people's thoughts on that. Oh boy, I'm excited to get into this one. Um, but yeah, I, I, if everyone isn't familiar, I know I know the vast majority of people here in the space are probably uh, uh, very familiar with our time in the Terra ecosystem, former for, uh, formerly being known as Terabytes. Um, so we we bled blue with uh, with the Terra ecosystem uh, or Yellow Coin, however you want to say it. Uh, but regardless, this recent this past week, this Monday, there is a video that was released uh, from Coinage. Uh, Coinage is a new um, media startup. It's a new studio that is basically going to be covering more about crypto topics and stuff. Um, and they did their first interview. And their first interview was Doquan breaking the silence. Um, and it was a very, very intense interview. I, I mean, I think it could have been a lot more intense. 
Um, but no, I, I actually kind of feel the same way in regards to it feeling rather staged. Um, and I'm going to be ta posting it to the top of the Twitter space if you guys haven't seen it yet. Uh, but this is the coinage uh, interview with the, uh, the formerly stable Quan. Uh, yeah, I, I think he needs to change his Twitter handle to unstable at this point. Um, but regardless, Do Quan broke the silence. Um, and it was very, very structured. Uh, it was programmatically made. Uh, it, it felt like that, um, that Zach Guzman kind of like made sure that the first 10 minutes of the interview was strictly just explaining what UST was, what Luna was, um, the original value prop of the entire ecosystem. And I think that while that was good for the non-common, non-native uh, Terra Luna investor, I, I do think that it kind, of, it kind of swayed away from the purpose of the video in my mind and also in my eyes. Uh, and then it, it, then it just devolved into some questioning that I think could have hit a little bit deeper um, in regards to what happened, uh, what occurred. Um, but I mean, at a certain extent, I also, I, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on like, I mean, at a certain extent, when there is that imbalance in that curve pool and, um, and that basically everything is Omega tanking, there's only so much that you can really say what was the cause. Uh, because I think that the, I think when you, when you, when you say that it was due to a curve imbalance, uh, that drove the DPEG on uh, on like different on the ETH mainnet and on different uh, oracles for the different uh, for the different uh, centralized exchanges. Uh, I think that that kind of sell pressure uh, just ultimately was the end of the downfall. And I think that that it kind of ends the explanation as to what happened. Uh, it was kind of a loss of belief in the UST system, and uh, it's hard it's hard for Doquan to come onto an interview and really be able to be like, this is the exact cause. Um, because it was, it was kind of a multitude of just, uh, I mean, I guess if you really had to consolidate it, it is in that essence of it being a lost belief in the Terra UST economic system. Uh, but love to hear what you guys have to think. Feel free to, feel free to jump in. The, real quick, the biggest thing I saw with the video was the lighting changes. And that kind of confused me from a, just a standpoint of when each question was recorded. It's almost like they went back and re-recorded. I just want to throw that one out there before I give the rest of the opinions. I want to hear Orbital's opinion first. Yeah, to me, what was funny, it, it was the editing because there, there was a point where, like, the camera was facing Zach and you can see, like, the, the shoulder of Doe, let's say, and, and you can see him, like, about to answer the question and pick up his Perrier water and then all of a sudden, the camera changes angle, and he's not holding that bottle anymore. So, oh yeah, and the and the lighting's changed. Like it's the next day. <laughs> yeah, so it was just a, a for me. It was just it was just fun to watch. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like we've been having these conversations for months now, right? So we all kind of have an idea of of what happened, and we've all essentially moved on and uh you know i mean at the end of the day we're still here you know we're still talking about terra we still have money in terra so we're going to continue to pay attention to the projects that are built by tfl and by other builders that still believe in in what terra has to offer right and as we can see you know there there's projects that are still building so um so i don't know i think it was good to see him, uh, and uh, obviously it was all planned, it was all staged, but it was good to see him, you know, finally uh, have some kind of uh, words for, for the community, and hopefully he does 
uh, do that long form interview with Kobe and I think obviously he'll challenge him a bit more. So yeah, we'll see what happens. So my, I guess my takeaway from the event and from my personal research is he thought he could fundraise, let's call it round number one to 2 billion in the heat of a deep peg. That still is kind of what bothers me. You know, the war room was set up with some of the best and brightest. I mean, I followed Jonathan to Juno chain, which led me to the Kuji team and all that stuff. So like, they surround themselves with such good people. Why was the fundraising round so is being so like, I don't know that, that caught me out in the video. I was like, you're two, three days into the peg. And that's when I guess steady lads came out and you're trying to fundraise 2 billion. That that's where I, I get caught up. But uh, like you said, we've all heard the stories, have our own opinions about what caused the deep peg. Da, 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 so on. Yeah, no, I agree with you. The 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 fundraising was kind of uh, it was an interesting time um, because I remember when the news came out that they were trying to get uh, Jump Crypto, they were trying to get uh, Galaxy Digital, um, uh, Mary Jane, and a couple of other, uh, even Three Arrows uh, was at the table um, to get them to give money. But uh, I, I remember when all that was happening, that was the time that Doquan dropped that steady lads deploying funds or deploying capital. Um, and I think I think it was because of the inherent design of uh, of UST. Um, I think it just proves to it just drives the point further home um, that the that the model needed that kind of support and needed that moment of bailout. Um, and I, and then we saw that we saw that back in May of 2021, uh, May of 2021, there was a similar DPEG event. Um, and if I recall correctly, there was also a, uh, a deploy of capital to kind of this to sway that DPEG that was happening, um, back in May. And it just seems like, like both times, it, it, like both times there was a peg deviation in May, uh, which is incredibly interesting. Um, uh, from, from like all perspectives, I, I find it really intriguing that both DPEGs happened in May. Um, don't know if that has any coincidence or anything at all. Uh, maybe I'm just Alex Jonesing over here, but I just think that I think it's rather interesting to see both events happening so close to one another. Um, and I and, and I think that that's something that uh, really kind of put, puts more salt and more context to uh, everything Doquan said in that interview. Um, even even the way that uh, he kind of dodged the conversation about uh, how much money he had, how much money he had lost, um, because he says he's down infinite. Uh, but regardless of the fact that he's down infinite, I mean, I don't doubt it. He is down infinite. Um, I do. I do. I do have that like inner part of me of just thinking of Doquan as a person. Um, and I don't know. You got you guys can claim that I'm carrying his water. I'm carrying his baggage. I'm still I'm still shilling his uh, his stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it, it was a model of, uh, of a failed a failed stablecoin model. And I, and I think it's deeper than just a um, an Elizabeth Jones situation where he was marketing a failed fake product that he knowingly and, uh, like knowingly and intentionally marketed as a failed product. Uh, or like as a good product, as a sustainable product, while knowing that it was a uh, a compromised model. Um, I think that everyone and anyone is capable of being overconfident. I know I was. Uh, I had a vast majority of my portfolio concentrated in Luna, in Terra. Um, I mean, hell, like Bytes, Terabytes, uh, Bytes Digitals, our entire war chest was uh, effectively in Terra, in Terra UST. 
Um, we had a little bit in secret and osmosis, but other than that, it was it was highly concentrated as well. So I, I think that the the hubris of this entire event uh, just kind of revealed the character of Doquan as himself as a person. Um, but I do I do think that there was something deeper that happened there, um, because not not just any person spends their entire life working on what Luna is, the stablecoin model, um, and then also names their daughter Luna, like legitimately names their daughter Luna. Uh, and even even after the DPEG happened, I remember uh, Doquan joining the Terra League, uh, the Terra Rebuilders Alliance and the Terra League, and he worked really hard to get the chain started up. Uh, and even then, when that was whole thing was going on i even had my personal critiques of him for not going out and doing a tell-all uh for not revealing everything that occurred the silence was the silence was deafening especially being such an avid supporter of Terra and ust um the silence was what something that really bothered me um so i i would love to have someone other than this coinage interview directly ask him uh, what was the purpose of the silence? Uh, what was the purpose of going completely underground? Uh, because I, I feel like anyone, anyone who is in and around the Terra ecosystem could really feel that. And it kind of um, it kind of swayed my perspective of what was going on because I didn't even know what to believe myself. I think we can put to bed that he's hurting on money. Um, I mean, like any any good business person, they've got their rainy day fund. I'm sure he has BTC and some cold wallets. He said he had a ton of osmosis, if I believe correctly, as well. So, no, the guy's probably not hurting for money. But you could see the bags under his eyes, probably from hearing the stories that he created. And that's where I'll argue someone with someone. You know, does he care about the, the like, everlasting effects on people? You know, I think we've all seen that meme where the guy was smiling when he said one of his business partner's family friends committed, uh, you know, suicide but uh it's just you know it's he's fine with money it's now more what can you say versus what do you regret and what do you want to apologize for he has you know he he trapped this all in and and probably again in a genius way like he is a genius maybe some people don't like his genius compared to others but he's a genius the best in schedule was probably the smartest thing that he could have done at the time supposedly on no sleep after eight days he kept every lunatic invested and and remy will even say that before he blocks me on twitter edwin how do how do you feel about uh kind of hearing from doquan because i remember we 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 hopped on a call uh the day that the dpeg was happening and it was it was tough Uh, i'd love to hear your thoughts yeah i I think you know for, for for me personally i've learned so many lessons you know and i never want to put the blame on others on, on things where I fail. You know, I, I went into this, I was seduced by UST, you know, and I, I was uh, paying attention to all of the builders. There were so many smart people in Terra. It wasn't just retail, you know, it was smart people that knew how to create products, not just DeFi products, uh, which was huge in Terra, but also, you know, NFT creators were starting to come in Working with One Planet allowed me to really get to know, you know, these artists that that were um, just trying to use the 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 mechanism that Terra created, you know, through UST and the idea that that presented. So, you know, again, I I think for me, I I benefited a lot from being part of Terra, um, and uh, I I obviously you know got hurt because I had 
a lot of my funds in Terra. But it was a a decision that I decided I decided to you know go all in, and I liked all the people that I was working with and that I met, and you know DK obviously he's he's the leader of Terra, but at the same time he wasn't the main reason why I was in this ecosystem, and and it's not the reason why I continue to stay around here and pay attention to what's going on. You know I think that there's still cool people that are here and. Um, but the biggest lesson for me is uh, I'm going to pay attention to other ecosystems too, right? Like uh, Royal Pirate here. It's the first time that I meet you, but I love Uh Is there just an audio glitch going on or can you hear? Can I? Edwin, are you there? There was an audio glitch. You said, I love, or I Royal Pirate, I love, and then it cut out. Someone definitely hacked. You know. Oh no! Orbital Command just got just got knocked offline. So you know what I've no- <laughs> you know what I've noticed? If you get a phone call during spaces and you're a host now, it it really screws with your audio. Um, just I, I'm good over here on my end. I, I haven't gotten any phone calls. Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty lonely during the bear market when uh, when things aren't printing. I don't have that many friends calling me about their shitcoin. It might need to step down and then be invited back up uh edwin we'll let you we'll let you troubleshoot um but yeah i mean i I, to just kind of add on to what edwin was talking about was uh i think that everyone in the terry ecosystem at this point uh just has a gaping wound (laughs) about what happened uh with with the with the collapse um i know there's a lot of tinfoil hat theories uh and a lot of of tinfoil theses that exist out there um and some some probably do have merit even when i started digging into the transactional history um using some flip side charts and uh, flip side tables uh shout out to Flipside and their data incredible stuff uh when i was able to dive deep into the transactional data um we could we got insights into like what kind of wallets removed funds from the three curve pool um, how many people were withdrawing from Anchor? Um, it, it like to a certain point, you can't really claim it was a rather coordinated event because at a certain extent, it's like you would have to claim that any like economic system failing was a coordinated event because everyone lost belief in it. Um, and I and I think a lot of us were in the space um, for the ethos of a decentralized stablecoin. And I, I think that the ethos and the reasons and the use case of a, of a decentralized stablecoin like UST, um, is still real. And I think with everything that's going on involving censorship, uh, tornado cash, um, different, uh, GitHub repos getting absolutely destroyed, uh, people having their accounts frozen or just deleted entirely off of GitHub, uh, I, I think that the the value prop of a decentralized stablecoin remains, um, perhaps not algorithmic, um, but I do think that UST thus far has been the best example of a uh, of a algorithmic stablecoin being used as at scale, um, which is rather intriguing. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on like the generational impact of UST. Um, because I do, I do think that there is a portion of contribution that UST has made to the crypto space, uh, and I think it drives home uh, the point of of there really needing to be a uh, monetary value that's separated from centralized fiat currencies. So, what was it that the maker, um, you know, one of the core devs said? There's, you know, the three things with the stable: you have the peg, you have decentralization. 
and I forget the other one. I'm going to try to go find the tweet here real quick. But if you remember off the top of your head, it's the trilemma again with stable coins. You either have to keep the peg. You either have to have the right collateral. Again, I don't want to speak out of turn. Let me go find the tweet. But do you remember that, Bites? Uh, the, the, the collateral that DAI is using or just using like a basket of different stable coins as the collateral? Yeah, no, he said that there's a trilemma with stable coins. And this is when he was proposing dropping all USDC to buy ETH. Um, this was about two weeks ago. Oh, okay. So you're, you're talking about like the maker governance, like what they're doing with DAI. Right, right. So what, now what is that? So you're referencing yeah. stable coins. So yeah, we all love stable coins. So now I'm going to reference USK. I'm going to reference Silk. Um, I think that's the one being built on secret, correct? And then uh, yeah. Juno said they're going to come out with one. So w- something I've been poking around with the stables is maybe no one is perfect, but a 20 pool or a 10 pool within the cosmos, we've learned stable coins don't operate well on exchanges where they can be shorted and longed. Um, it's hard to arb those back to chain in an efficient manner. And, and again, maybe you'll build a bot network strong enough to do that one day. But I think where Cosmos, I love it, but it's still very social and cultish. And everyone, people just need to work together more. Um, and I, I'm getting long-winded, but I think stable coins can exist on chain. And balancing them, if I want to go from Juno to Kuji to Osmosis, with one click, I should have the native stable coin. Yeah, and I, I agree. Uh, Edwin, thank you for coming back. Are you, are you, are you good? You guys are not going to believe this, but as I was in the middle of my inspirational speech here, I got a scam call and that thing completely messed up my my audio. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I think the dilemma with stablecoin is so important because we need to figure out a way to get away from the volatility of a cryptocurrency right i think the most stable is bitcoin and that still has a lot of um, trading ranges and in order for us to move into a system where we can interact with a cryptocurrency let's say on a daily basis we need a stable coin and right now usdc has been the one that has essentially you know gotten that that first place because it's been the safest, it's been the most stable, but that comes at the risk of it being centralized, right? Uh, and, and so it's interesting to think about also like the, the other layer of like BTC being decentralized um, or it looks, it, it seems that like it's the most decentralized uh, crypto. And then you have ETH where it, it has, it allows you to build on top of it with DeFi and with NFTs. Um, but there seems to be a bit more centralization of it, right? Starting through the Ethereum foundation. So I don't know. I just think that we're still so early. There's still so many more models to explore. And I think that's where I initially wanted to learn more about what UST was and that like animated video of like that conveyor belt and that transaction between, you know, UST and Luna. I was just like, oh shit. Yeah, this is different. You know, let, let me learn more about it. And I got hooked and. Um, and yeah, so I think it's, uh, it's still, we're still in that experimentation phase, but yeah, I would love to see just more 
more people try it out. In USK, it sounds interesting. Um, but yeah, I think we're still early, but we need a stable coin that's obviously scalable, that has a lot of liquidity liquidity in it and uh, and utility so that we can interact with it, you know, in the cosmos and EVM and in real life as well. I think I think uh, just blockchain infrastructure is going to get to that point pretty soon. Um, and I, one of the things that I'm super excited about lately that I've been deep diving is uh, just cost chain infrastructure uh, and what it takes for someone to launch their own chain. Um, and the one the project that I've been looking at the deepest uh, regarding this has been Axelar. Um, Axelar Core Bridge. They're the they're kind of like the main bridging infrastructure to the rest of the Cosmos ecosystem. And I used their bridge before. I never really kind of understood the value prop of what uh, Axelar is doing uh, as a as a group. Um, but then I started reading a little bit deeper into their docs. Like, what does their infrastructure really offer? Um, and Axelar is like the first project that I found in this space that is more. It's not. It's not about like a come buy my token. Let me show you my token. Uh, let's let's like wag me. It's not it's not this like maximalist thinking. Um, and I, I got the I got the chance to talk to Sergey, the the co-founder of Axelar, and really kind of dig into his brain about like what why why is Axelar so different? What what does it really offer? And it's strictly just from the infrastructure basis of it. It allows people to um, it allows developers. It focuses on the developer experience and it lets a developer deploy. Um, let's say they want to deploy a DEX. Uh, if, if a developer developed the DEX, they would be able to release that DEX multi-chain from day one, just using the Axelar core API. They can release the, the code via Solidity and just programmatically just release it across all chains from uh, instantly and deploy it. Um, and bridging Whoa. infrastructure is kind of what they did. They did the whole Axelar bridge, uh, the portal bridge. Um, so it's really it's really interesting stuff. Um, I can't wait to see how new and different protocols um, start employing that because I do think that that type of infrastructure is crucial uh, for the future of a decentralized stablecoin. Because I remember one of the inhibiting factors of growth for UST was liquidity across chain. Well, what if all that liquidity existed within a interoperable system where they're all communicating and it is all secure? Uh, via this one centralized core, I guess not centralized uh, entirely, but one of the like a central API that is communicating across blockchains. What's their pitch to? I'm scared of bridges right now. Their pitch is that you don't need bridges. Um, the API of uh, the API of like Axelar Core flat out like lets someone deploy a a project. Uh, and that project's iteration interacts the same way that if a user interacts with that project on Polygon, a user on Avalanche would interact with it um, in, in the same way, in the same fashion, without having to worry about what network they're on. Um, it's essentially the it's essentially just a consolidating API that allows you to deploy your uh, your project in Solidity code, and it can just basically plug and play and communicate with different blockchains. Um, and the complications of it uh, gets a little bit complicated from like on the back end side when you have to balance like, let's say, a com like a, you, someone someone calls a contract on your platform from Polygon and that one arrives first before a someone who calls in on Avalanche. Um, so you have to like kind of built in uh, basically built in a, a new system of validating transactions and creating your products in a more flexible way. Um, but the, the, the value prop is that you don't have to worry about the bridges. You don't have to worry about paying multi gas or multi chains. The, they have like built in dev tools where you can pay single gas transactions. 
um, I, I, I had a chat with, uh, with someone from Flipside talking about this is that like in like grand scheme, the vision for an Axel Arc 4 uh, product would be like if someone wanted to build a product that aggregated all of the different perpetuals platforms, all the perps, you would be able to see how perps are trading on uh, on DYDX on their own chain. But while also being able to see how perps are being traded on GMX uh, from a single interface, from a single location, uh, and you don't have to worry about switching your wallet network, you can just interact it with a uh, with an Axelar API based wallet that can interact with the core, uh, and the core just takes care of wherever you want to interact with across the different blockchains. So what, what's interesting to me is that they have validators, right? And I, I don't know exactly you know, to, to what detail they are, you know, serving their, their purpose there. But it seems like they have 44 that are active. The top 10 are obviously making it rain. King Super being number 10 right now. Um, and so anyways, just, just something that I was looking into. Um, but uh, I don't know if you guys remember Mint DAO. They were an NFT marketplace yeah. that was just starting out on Terra, right? Um, they, they had that game mint with them i was a, a, ro- a robot game we had a one in it on a twitter space i forgot their name but but anyways i noticed that they partner with axelar and they're going to build on top of axelar and essentially have the first omni-chain kind of marketplace so it kind of goes to your point um there joseph where um it it, it seems like it's a, kind of like a layer zero type of thing right where you you build with an infrastructure that allows you to move to any chain that you want. And then on the other chain that you want to travel to, you just need to like add a few lines of code. At least that's the way that I've been uh, listening to how they describe layer zero. Uh, and then you can use your NFTs uh, on, on that other side. That, that kind of future is, uh, that's actually really excited to hear that Mint is doing that uh, because that's exactly what like Axelar Core is looking for people to do. Uh, they're wanting people to build off of this API um, just from the, from the very beginning to be building in this omni-chain vein. Um, and I think that this like new narrative uh, of like, because like the multi-chain experience, we all, we're all tired of this multi-chain experience. I mean, I, 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 I'm speaking for everyone, but I'm speaking for myself mostly, uh, that I'm tired of this, like having to manage my, my Kepler wallet, switching between networks, uh, managing all these different bridges, watching all these different tutorials on how, like which bridge to use and how to use this freaking bridge. Like it's, it's like, while like, sure, that gives me job security because I have more videos to make on how to give, like how to do these tutorials. Um, but it's, it, it's just not conducive to mass adoption, you know, that was, that was really I mean, other than UST and it's not like, that was what made Terra station so amazing. And I, I was able to switch so many people from centralized exchanges to a decentralized wallet because of Terra station simplicity. Some had basic knowledge, even on MetaMask and it wasn't as smooth. Um, I'll go to I'll go to the bank on Terra Station mobile app all day as being one of the best crypto wallets out there created yet. I, I'm with you on that. Like right now, I've been spending a lot of time on Polygon because of One Planet, and yeah. it's 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 disgusting having to be on MetaMask all the time. Honestly, like it, it just surprises me that Eve, you know, and MetaMask have been around for so long, yet their UI looks the way it looks. So, you know, like. And I don't, I don't know, like, yeah, Terra Station just uh, felt so easy to use. And even, okay, there's another thing. Um, on ETH, 
you have to like go and use like a like their browser is the in wallet browser and you interact through that as opposed to Terra Station, which you had the the web app from a from a, a DAP, like let's say Anchor, and then you had to connect externally to the te- mobile Terra Station wallet. And then you can go back and um, you have your wallet connected and just st- you stay on that, you know, Anchor DAP. But in ETH, you have to interact like inside of the of the wallet browser, which it's weird. It's I don't know. It's just interesting. But yeah, I, I'm not having fun. I do know somebody that put up a 100k bounty for someone that can do a Terra Station type wallet on ETH or Polygon. So if any of you guys build here, let me know. Wow, I'm that's a, actually incredible. I'm a I'm a I'm a natural hater for Polygon. Um, I don't wish ill on any teams developing on it or anyone developing with it, but I just find Sandeep not to be the best, and I hope for better forms of Ethereum sidechains in the future. Um, they've bought a lot of their marketplaces and builders, and they've contracted out a lot, and they have the BCS model where it's only 21 validators. Uh, so we'll see where it goes, but I'm optimistic. I'm I one of those pseudonyms or whatever you call it. Opt, optimi, optimally optimistic about it. That's interesting. Uh, because like I've I've been like really looking into all of these different like narratives, like the EVMs versus the IBCs, uh, versus like the uh like the just the standalone ETH chain. Um and I, I thought that Polygon was actually one of the ones that was doing best. Uh Polygon is um they, they actually are the only chain, the only blockchain. Uh, to have secured like a Disney partnership, uh, to be going through a Disney accelerator partnership of applying their blockchain. Uh, who knows what Disney's going to do with it? Um, but regardless, I think Polygon is uniquely positioned um, to capture some value uh, just on the basis of it being so close to Ethereum um, and also like the transactional fees on it. And back in DeFi summer, Polygon was super popular for all the different farms and all the different farming opportunities. Um, and I do think there's inevitably another EVM uh, rotation that's going to happen. Obviously, no financial advice, but I think that the likelihood of another DeFi summer happening on, let's say, the the Cosmos versus the EVMs, uh, I, I would I would say that there's more likely of a chance of it occurring on an EVM, uh, just because it's just a pawn's throw over from from ETH. Uh, anytime ETH kind of catalyzes and pumps, the EVMs just naturally start getting a little bit more liquidity flowing into them. Um, and when when I think when money gets looser, I think more projects are going to be launching on all of these different EVMs. Um, I'm keeping my eye out for Arbitrum uh, for when Arbitrum. Trump launches their own token. Um, and, and in general, I think that those EVMs have just been around a lot longer. Um, and I think my, my experience in Terra was just a, uh, was just basically a mad rocket, like just like, uh, just like climbing. It was just green every day. Uh, but then eventually we just absolutely plummeted. Uh, but the EVMs keep going. The EVMs keep building. The EVMs keep rolling out products. They keep securing partnerships. Um, they don't need this kind of like uh, this attractive 20% UST stablecoin to attract liquidity. Um, they have stuff building on them within them uh, natively that makes them what they are. So let me save myself cautiously optimistic. That was what I was trying to get out my damn dyslexia. But um, yeah, so I, I, feel, I feel like we're breaking into two parts. We're, we're breaking into EVM and we're breaking into Rust. Those are really the two big languages, I think, that are going to succeed. 
and how they incorporate Bridge, IBC. You know, you hope the front end UI wallet that you download and trust and get your seed from on the back end directly connects with all these chains. But there, I think the, the scale, scalable world is multi-chain. There's, there's not going to be a Google of chains right now, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I also wanted to give you a shout out for being the, the critical one up here because we need people like you to, to ask these questions. You know, we, we uh, are seeing all of these different L1s and L2s and none of them are perfect, right? They, they all have their issues. Uh, they're all winning in some way. They're all losing in another way. So, uh, you know, we, we just need to keep, I think, doing our own research as much as we can. Uh, but sometimes we do get seduced into something, right? And um, I think it's important for us to always have somebody in the back of our mind just reminding us, hey, watch out for that centralization they got going on there, right? Uh, right. Like, that's important. You got you to you know what you're willing to give up because at the end of the day, where we live in capitalism and capitalism rules. We don't want to make money, right? So do you want truly decentralized? You should be buying Bitcoin and just staying quiet. Or do you want to invest in these teams and projects that are semi-centralized, but are creating new real world um, products? And that's where I lean. I'll give up decentralization for now to see some cool products that I can interact with with some money that's not being able to be forced around by banks. Yeah, and I, I think that this week put, put that into context even further for me uh, because I've been looking at more of the macro implications of, uh, of the industry in general. Um, I know that one of the big news that came out this week was the quarterly Coinbase report on like how much uh, Coinbase was making. Uh, and the, the numbers were pretty, pretty scary. Uh, I think that um, SBF here, um, if everyone is over here who is in the loop of all the tinfoil hats, uh, conspiracy theory of the Terra takedown, uh, a lot of people <laughs> believe that FTX um, were one of the sharks in the water uh, laying in wait to uh, capitalize on a uh, falling economic system. Uh, but regardless of their uh, culpability in that matter, or if they were even involved, uh, SBF, SBF um, Bankman here, he was able to kind of break down all the numbers of Coinbase. Thoroughly recommend you guys giving this a read. Um, I haven't fact-checked it myself, but it, it checks out mentally. Uh, but regardless, the, the losses that Coinbase kind of incurred were pretty insane. Uh, I, I think it's like, uh, here we go. Uh, that leads to roughly losses of $700 million plus another $400 million from impairment. Uh, and that's even considering after they laid off people from the from the company, uh, it, it was very sobering. I know a lot of people in TradFi were talking about this. Uh, how much, a how lot much, of people in TradFi were saying that this is like this is the end of crypto. How much did they spend on their NFT marketplace? Uh, boatloads, <laughs> that, <laughs> like massive that, amounts. I think that's where the losses were. Yes, maybe some overpaying, some operational miscalculations but they spent a lot of money and then they released that eight video uh the, the lion's share of losses i saw attributed were yeah the nft marketplace uh debacle um because they did they did lay off a lot of the i'm pretty sure they laid off the vast majority of the staff that were working on that um but also you also have to put into context um about like coinbase's exposure in the marketplace um everything is down right now like from the last quarter, the prices have uh, like the the prices from the last quarter have just been absolutely absolutely demolished. Like we're we're in the gutter right now in terms of price action. 
Uh, and so Coinbase was just not immune to that, not immune to that reality. Um, so it's just interesting to be seeing this kind of unfolding uh, for, for Coinbase, like being the company it is, um, because a lot of people re- regard it as the, the blue chip centralized exchange. Um, I know here in the United States, uh, as, a, as an American citizen, this is like this is literally the platform for me to go to to onboard fiat currencies. Um, and it, it's like the one that I go to because I have trouble connecting to Binance US. US. Um, ooh, some metaverse stuff. What's going on here, Edwin? <laughs> I, I just thought it was hilarious. You know, we're talking about Coinbase losses around NFTs. So I wanted to bring up just Met, Meta's, you know, I mean, their stock price has tanked as well in the last year. And, and so, you know, they're working on their Metaverse, right? Uh, the reason why they changed the name. But it, it was just funny, like crypto Twitter was going nuts because of the picture that he released and the lack of quality, let's say, that it had uh, with so much money that they put into what they have going on. So, yeah, I mean, I was also looking at the transaction volume on, Sol- on Magic Eden on Solana and like that's super low. Um, so, you know, Magic Eden just got a giant, you know, fundraise uh, based on all, all of the um, expansions that they were doing. But I don't know. I think just right now, things just don't look as green as they did six months ago. I'm surprised that Meta um, Meta leaned in so hard that they did. Like the way that they've leaned into the metaverse um, has just been nothing but short of spe- uh, spectacular. Uh, but and this isn't spectacularly failed or <laughs> spectacularly successful. This isn't their first lean. This is like their third lean. First, they tried the stablecoin, then they they tried something else, and then they went all in on the video game art. It's it's just incredible to watch these major corps just start uh start adopting this stuff. Uh, I know I know there's a lot of uh, VC money on the sidelines right now. Um, I think I saw someone quote. There's like probably like twenty billion or something. That could be completely astronomically wrong. Uh, but I know that word on the street is is that there's a lot of VC money just lying in wait, um, just on the sides, uh, and uh, that, that the institutions here are here and have arrived. It's just that the money getting deployed uh, is the question. And I and I, I do think that a lot of people are still doing their R and R on uh, just blockchain scaling uh, in general. Uh, like this whole conversation that we've been having has been like, well, bridges suck, multi-chain sucks. If, mul- if multi-chain is the future, uh, how is that gonna happen? You know, with uh, like with all the bridge hacks that we're seeing, all these uh, front ends being compromised. Um, I, and I think institutions are either just as lost or they have figured out what's going on and they're just consolidating their bets right now. I have a uh, pivot question for Orbital. Um, how do you see the validator kind of war going on within first off the cosmos and then other chains going to POS? I think you had some experience as a validator, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. We love it, man. <laughs> we love to see the competition. You know, it just makes us more uh, creative, right? We, we have to figure out different ways to, um, to provide value for the community. And, and I think that what we've been trying to do is, uh, um, kind of take the lead in, in as a community validator in, in education, right? In providing videos uh, on, on different dApps and how to use them, on doing Twitter spaces and interviewing founders. We have our Discord that we have, you know, it's open for anybody to come in and we have all, all channels for all different um, dApps like Kujira, you know, it's a new one that we opened up like two weeks ago because 
uh, we're interested in that. Um, so, I mean, we're here for it. We, we love to be, um, you know, uh, leaders and, and hopefully that the community, you know, sees the value that we provide and uh, we can, you know, court some delegators through that. I feel like every validator has their own proposition, right? At the end of the day, we're, we're all a business. We're all trying to get paid. Uh, and so we all just have to get creative and see how we can provide value. There are a lot of validators that don't do anything. They don't even participate in proposals, right? Yet they still have delegators. So I think, uh, you know, the, the game is fun that we're playing. And uh, for us right now, it's just trying to figure out how we can continue to provide value and also look at other chains, see where there's opportunities for us to continue to expand that and diversify our revenue and even outside of just being a validator, right? Is there other routes that we can take, uh, like a newsletter or like uh, um, actually getting into building some dApps? I don't know. I think it's, for me, it's fun, uh, you know, with the guys at Orbital Command. We're just having a good time with this. Well, that's where I, I kind of, I like, I do like this analogy that the validators are kind of nation states, but we have free and open borders. So we should naturally gravitate to the ones that provide the education or more yield, less education time, right? So, you know, you should be able to be able to, and then what I'm hearing kind of is some validators aren't putting in the effort to even vote. And I, that's, I guess, interesting to hear something new that I need to ponder on. But uh, yeah, it's just been interesting to see. I think at the end of the day, there'll be a hundred great validators across most chains and you'll, you'll put your votes to the ele elected congressman like we do now on a good, in a good decentralized manner that's still semi-scalable, right? Because people have to make decisions at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, we got burned when we stayed into uh, the, the Terra Classic ecosystem, right? We got trapped. Um, so some people still might not even want to delegate to anybody, right? They'll either, um, you know, just exchange it and stay on stables or to look for other alternatives. I think something cool that's coming up is a lot of liquid staking protocols. And so then I feel like that provides maybe a little bit more uh, of a uh, ability to still secure the network. And then at the same time, still have some liquidity to to try different dApps and to explore the ecosystem. I'm super excited for liquid staking. I think, you know, if you're not a genius to know how to put, put in call options to hedge your um undelegating yield i mean you look at a chain like juno that's doing really well but you have a 28 day waiting period a month in crypto is a year in trade fire right so you know you you want to be part of the securing the network but if times get hard you need to be able to move fast so yeah that's again i think that goes back to the scaling debate right i want to take us a little bit into uh more of an esoteric route because um, I think while we're all here chatting about like this whole, how are we going to scale? How are we going to grow um, the next iteration of blockchain? Um, I've been thinking about 
the regulation scene, like the regulatory environment, the regulatory vibes that we're getting from all the different authorities. Um, I know that here in the United States, they're starting to crack down a little bit. Um, actually, a senator, uh, a senator from my my home state of Arkansas, of the United States, um, has pushed out some legislation uh, to es- essentially start tracking uh, all users. They're forcing forcing people, resident of the state, uh, to start registering if you're a crypto asset trader, if you're a crypto asset holder. Uh, if you're part of a protocol, if you work in the industry, uh, f- full on doxing, full on doxing, full on tracking of individuals within the industry. Um, and that's got me thinking. That's got me worried, honestly. Um, and I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this, um, like out of the game theory component of this, if you think about it, is there a certain extent, like, is there a possibility where global governments, global states um, get to the point where they force crypto and they force uh, they force cryptocurrencies and they force blockchain uh, virtually underground, where it's like almost authoritarian regime like uh, reaction. Um, and, I, and the only reason why I think that that, that type of reaction would occur um, would be would be once once institutions and once governments realize that um, that back Bitcoin and also the Satoshi would become this new monetary paradigm that it would uh, essentially in, like replace the the fiat currencies, uh, fiat monetary systems, the, the Federal Reserves and all that. Um, would love to hear you guys' thoughts. Do you guys think that's possible? Am I just uh, Alex Jonesing this? So what I would love to see is for us to have an option on our wallets where it's default private. And if somebody wants to see our transactions, they need to pay for it, right? And we have to allow that to happen. Um, I think, I mean, I, I love the transparency of, of cryptocurrencies and, and the blockchain, but uh, at the same time, like you're saying, like it, it is... Uh, getting to a point where if we want to use cryptocurrencies for our daily lives, we don't want to know where we're spending our money, right? Or we don't want to share that information with everybody. And I, and I think I think it's the access to that data. Does, does a state government have to pay a blockchain network for the access of that to see what, what citizens of its nation are using that, that like public ledger? Um, I don't so, know where that line gets drawn. So if you talk to some of the, the crypto, the greatest Bitcoin maximalist, they'll separate. They'll say one of, uh, I think, the best sayings in crypto when it comes to Bitcoin. The biggest flaw or fault that Satoshi did was naming Bitcoin and the Bitcoin network the same thing. So I think there is inherent value to the network, correct? Now we we derive value from scarcity and tokens and gas, and we can all, we can have that debate at a later time, but. You, you, you're kind of asking a two-pronged question. There's a currency question, and then there's the network question. Yes, all TradeFi want blockchain, because that gives a competitive, equal advantage playing field, even within the upper world. You can plug in your Fidelity Web2 UI on, on top of a good developed Web3 blockchain, and now you've got all the perks and none of the issues. Does, does, do they fear a currency takeover? That's where I'm struggling. I think they kind of squashed that with the USDC and Tornado Cash and all that, but I'm open to being wrong on that. It's just, it's the, it's like the, 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 all that happening around us is that, that has me thinking about it. 
Um, I mean, like they're capable of finding everyone's ETH addresses that have interacted with dirty uh, tornado cash assets. Um, and it, it's like it even gets ridiculous when you start looking at when people bought it so that they were sending dirty ETH to, uh, to known Docs wallets of high profile individuals. I, I even think that Shaq, uh, Shaq from the Los Angeles Lakers was on that list. Yeah, well, so that's where you get the open ledger can be used as a piece of war or a piece of decentralization and peace. And in the wrong hands, that is the argument. You know, open ledger could track the the most decentralized thing right now is still spending that five dollar bill in your pocket, that twenty dollar bill in your pocket. Still, the most decentralized thing you can do. So. Yeah, I fully agree with you. Uh, it's just it's interesting to see where the developments are going. Um, just just from the perspective of local legislation here in my in my area, um, it's starting to gain the attention of people. Um, and it's not gaining the attention of people of like, what can blockchain tech do for uh, for individuals? It's like, what can blockchain tech do to to like harm them uh, or to harm the, the the institutional class or anything like that? There's a lot of there's a lot of fear mongering. Uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding, mis, uh, misapplication of like what the actual paradigm of thinking is within blockchain. Um, but I mean, it makes sense, though. If, if people are in here looking out for the contemporary system, they're ideally going to be uh, pushing back on all of this ridiculousness. They're going to be pushing back on this Zuckerberg metaverse. Uh, they're going to be pushing back on cross-chain liquidity. Um, they're going to be pushing back on a stable coin that is algorithmically backed and not tied to any fiat alternative. Um, but I mean, like, even then, it's like you still have the whole conversation of value that at the end of the day, one USC is worth one US dollar. Um, I think all of those conversations that we're having are really, really early compared to the thinking um, of like the drastic response of uh, local registration, local regulation is going to have. Um, once they catch up, I guess, once they catch up and start implementing the changes to control these things, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how de decentralized options evolve. Uh, it's going to, it's going to push that and accelerate the importance of it in, in my eyes. I got to head out of here in, in a minute, but just the last note that I have on this, it, it almost feels like a price discovery mechanism going on right now between regulation and, and privacy, right? Like the government trying to know everything that we do and the and Web3, you know, natives just being like, no, I don't want you to know what uh, what you what we're doing. So it's it's getting to the point where both sides are fighting and eventually I think we'll figure out a model that works on both sides. And that's why I, I that's why I kind of just brought that up or like default as a uh, privacy for us web3 natives but then if on their end if they want to search us then they need some kind of tool for us to allow them to do that and maybe there is another authority within web3 that um that can come in and, and force that you know if if uh there's like the right warrant for that i don't know but but it's definitely still you know experimental right but I gotta head out, guys. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys today. Yeah, no worries. I'm, I'm, I'm. We're gonna be wrapping up the space here in like five more minutes because I also have a couple meetings left for the rest of the day. Um, but yeah, no, I, that's an interesting concept. I'd never thought of uh, how like a government could have permission to access uh, to just the blockchain ledger. 
Um, because like that's that's the thing is that like now that USC has collapsed, uh, there are so many stable coins launching. Um, Curves is getting their own. Ave is getting their own. Silk is out. Uh, USK is out. Everyone is still trying to solve this stablecoin problem. Um, and even MakerDAO is trying to make their DAI uh, decentralized. And that was the long-term goal of it. Uh, it's just a matter of like, where is this going to go in, in the context of uh, regulation? And where is it going to go in the context of the scaling solutions of, of blockchain? Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, uh, Royal Pirate, feel free to like change the topic or <laughs> if you have any thoughts on uh, the, that balancement, uh, because I don't know, I don't know where it goes from, uh, it goes from there. Oh, no, I just appreciate, always appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, sometimes I feel like I'm rambling, but yeah, no, I think, I don't think there's a perfect stable coin right now. Not, not where we're at in crypto. Um, for what I've seen, um, over the past five or six years, that's where I'm interested in, you know, these coins staying on chain, growing organically. And then watching mechanisms like a curve pool, maybe in the cosmos or between ETH and cosmos and all these others grabs hold. I think there was danger done by UST growing too fast on exchanges. And I think, I think we've all come to see that it, it would have held peg on chain. Once you move it off chain, there's not enough ability yet between bots or the right code out there to stabilize these tokens. So I think next step is, um, grassroots growing of these stable coins finding the flaws and working on them the best we can uh it's a fight we can't give up but it's one that's definitely been set back do you think doquan is working on a stable coin like he's working on a ust 2.0 uh because i think he is why why not right like you know if he gets if he gets his gamified terror station off off chain i mean off the you know building blocks and ideas and turns into something it, that just goes into my theory that every chain should have their own stable coin. And then there should just be a great pool in IBC or between uh, EVM chains that talks to each other and exchanges all these coins in a way larger pool because I don't think perfection exists yet. Where Bitcoin might may be called perfect, there, the next perfect to me will be that stable, that decentralized stable coin that can't be frozen by borders. And I think we still have another four or five years of experimenting. And I hate using experimenting, but it is the truth. No, and, and I think that that's a fair way to describe it, is that like all these models are, uh, are experiments. Uh, by no means were they uh, FDIC insured. Um, like nothing here was battle tested. Um, I remember when the first DPEG happened with USC, it was like a rallying cry. Um, like we were able to withstand May 2021. Um, now, now, now the sky's the limit. We're going to keep growing. Um, and Anchor stayed at that 20%. Uh, and it's crazy to hear now that the 20% at, in Anchor was actually a conservative rate. Um, apparently, there were talks of doing it upwards of 500%, something ridiculous. And that's, that's, that just to me highlights how young the narrative of an algorithmic stablecoin is, um, how, how, how it's going to go. I know you've been deep diving USK. Uh, does USK have like a stable, uh, like a stable deposit, uh, a staking rate? that it offers they're doing direct so they're not, not staking like an anchor um they're basically taking the maker die model um for now and moving it with and using atom instead of ethereum so, so atom is like the 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 um the emergency reserve currency of it 
Yes, and it'll be over collateralized. So if you deposit, let's call it a hundred atom, you can only take your loan on out on sixty percent of that atom. Um, and you can you can translate that that into dollars. So it'll be over collateralized. I don't know what their plans are. Um, they definitely are considering a variable rate to incentivize lending. Um, but they've also stated that they will be supplying liquidity as needed from team and community reserves. So I, I, again, I think it's all still young, and we're betting on, you know, startups and experiments and business models that I think we all have a unique uh, candor for, if you will. We all love the belief of a decentralized dollar, and that won't go away. Um, so you'll see the big accounts rally behind USK. You'll see some of the big accounts rally in the Ethereum community around DAI, what they should do here with USDC. You know, USDC could take down the DAI protocol right now, right? Um, yeah, it literally could. That's It's straight up just a centralized vector. It could freeze, um, I don't know, how much percentage of the DAI supply. I think, yeah, over 50%. And that, you know, that's the scary part. You know, what happens if enough tornado cash USDC ends up in the maker protocol and that's blacklisted? So, uh, you know, everyone's kind of walking a fine line. And that's where I'll stress these tokens. Um, again, I've got some friends that are diehard believing in Secret Network. And I have a, a, lot of, a lot of respect for what they're building. I think they're a little slow. What gets me excited about uh, Kujira is that they move fast, kind of like Terra did. Again, there's pros and cons of that. And then, you know, you got Levana Protocol and Jonathan, someone I'll always call out um, in respect. And I think he was one of the most valuable members on LFG, building on Juno. Um, and Juno having its own stable coin and we having um, option trading, margin trading, all on these amazing networks. I just think it's going to take some more time. Um, you know, we went through the ICO craze and now we go through this n- next bearish movement in crypto, which I do, I do think was caused more by macro, you know, world environments from uh, COVID to political upheavals, if you will. Uh, I don't think it was all, you know, the super cycle wasn't an un, unthought of thing. Like people did think crypto was entering its its true super cycle, but uh, macro held that back. And now you you get the chance to evaluate teams on the real products that they're delivering. So um, some, a little bit something different than the 2018, 2019 lull where teams kept promising and you kind of went into this bull, you know, still mean corn taking the action. Or I think this time you'll actually have some real kind of PE ratio breakdowns of teams, performance, on-chain metrics are being followed religiously now. Uh, so I think this one more three, it's called two to three year growth cycle is going to be uh, great for crypto in the long run. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think we were ready for the for the for like the the mass adoption spread. Um, and I think I think it's evident with like how like even osmosis uh, like osmosis is a staple uh, when it comes to being like the the exemplary uh, decentralized exchange model. Build your own chain. Um, and and it, they like, got uh, hacked. They got yeah, hacked. and they got hacked. Like, and then and then you have the issue with all these bridges getting exploited, the Moonbeam exploit, and and even then, like Solana, Solana's uh, Slope Finance, uh, like wallet aggregator, also had that supply chain hack where seed phrases were being saved to a centralized server, um, and they were they were compromised, and so people's wallets were just getting drained out of nowhere. Um, I don't think we've made it yet. 
Um, I, I don't think we're ready for that mass chain adoption uh, narrative. Uh, I, I think I think the only way we get there is until like is is the day that people don't have to worry uh, what blockchain they're connected on, what wallet they're using, what network they're on, you know, um, what protocol they've approved the contracts with, you know. I do hate that Doquan uses UST and and relates it to the experiment, but there's truth. It's all an experiment. They really, it really is. I, I've wanted to deny that statement, but we are experimenting. We let one experiment get too big without testing it in other environments. So um, I don't think that should be his excuse. It was just an experiment, um, but I'll leave it at that. We are still experimenting across all types of code language, chains, validator sets. Uh, there's going to be a big, uh, I'll use the word war, between POW and POS here soon. Um, yeah. That, that'll unfold. That will describe the future of the next 10 years as well. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see that narrative uh, being changed. I'm super excited for the ETH, uh, the ETH merge. Uh, there's just not many things that are like very recent that everyone's excited about. Um, but Royal Pirate, thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to have to wrap up here. I've got a couple meetings to head to. Uh, but before then, uh, if anyone's interested and anyone's available, uh, tomorrow, I'll be joining a Twitter space uh, with Flipside Crypto and Axelar Core. Um, I, did, uh, I did a deep dive into Axelar, started understanding what their model is, the way that they're building in a multi-chain uh, fashion from day one. Uh, and it's a really interesting infrastructure. If you're interested in learning about blockchain infrastructure, learning about the builder's perspective, how Solidity contracts get deployed on multiple chains at once, uh, how, uh, how relaying API functions for the builder, and overall this interchain narrative and this interchain future. Uh, I would love for you guys to join us in tomorrow's Twitter space. It will be hosted um, at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the build-a-thon that they're hosting, uh, what products they expect to be built from there. Um, and, and, and this is like all related to like my general thesis going into this bear market. And that's just the next levels of, uh, scaling. Uh, and I think that infrastructure that allows for people to deploy contracts across multiple chains is exactly in line with that. So love, would love to hear it. love to see everyone there. Uh, love to have your guys' questions there. If you guys are interested in asking Axelar core questions, uh, that'd be great too. And if you're a, a developer or if you're interested in developing, Definitely tune into tomorrow's Twitter space. We'd love to have you join. Will you be doing your five o'clock happy hour as well? Uh, so we're, we're, we're probably going to be changing the five o'clock happy hours to today, to Thursdays. Uh, Fridays, uh, the, Fridays were kind of like hit or miss uh, audience wise. Um, and today, I, I think we, we had a pretty decent audience. Uh, and so like, I, I think we're going to be trying to go with Thursdays as the, uh, the, the happy hours from now, from here on out. And if, 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 Friday, if Thursdays don't look like they're the day, then we're going to try another day. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you for everything. Yeah, no problem. See you next week. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining. We'll see you uh, on the next Twitter space. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Bytes Digital Group Crypto News Happy Hour with Orbital Command, recorded on Thursday, August 18th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Roll
rolling down the street in my 6 foe. I never had a 6 foe. A kid can wish though. I snapped the wishbone and grabbed a fistful. Chilling with the dopey, this a weed is all I wish for. I'm feeling blissful. I got a missus. My ginger always down to ride no matter what the mission. I'm singing this song. Got a couple albums out. We do alright, but it ain't really shit to write home about. Like to feed the fishbowl. Keep my stories mystical. I like my beats. Boom, bap and rap to be lyrical. I'm feeling cynical. Craving a little ritual. Save my place in line while I try to find a miracle. I keep looking and looking and looking, but never find nothing. We've been lied to thinking this surprise under super secret lies. Motherfucker sneak inside going dark. Now believe me when I say this shit is do or die. Going dark now, believe me when I say this shit is do or die. Going dark now, believe me when I say this shit is do or die. the trenches, trying to stay offensive, trespassing here like this land looks expensive, ain't no time like the present, trying to stake a claim, just make sure your claim stays away from all these other claims, we're almost kind of running out of land here, living in the day of the dead and it's damn weird, same teams y'all, we just trying to get a bite to eat, a little rest saved up, waiting for my time to sleep, head down, middle fingers up, yo I'm wide awake, never hesitate to stay about a hundred miles away, seven time and space, while the wrecking ball the place, I expect you all to play, running marathons today, when the Sick get sicker and the rich get richer It might be about time to rearrange our dinner Fix the system, the shit, it's all nixed Waking up early, gonna suck today's Going dark now, believe me when I say this shit is do or die Going dark now, believe me when I say this shit is do or die gonna take care of Angela, man. He's, he's great. He's a wonderful lab partner, so it's gonna be cool. We'll keep an eye on her. Why don't you go fuck yourself, you weird little prick? I'm a teacher, okay? You can't talk to me like that, guy. I'm not a student, so I can say whatever the fuck I want. Channel Spaces.